Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Legends of the Cage, proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio, helping legends of yesterday and tomorrow. You can find them on social media, on Twitter at TrueMMAHOF, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Legends of the Cage, or go to the website, LegendsoftheCage.com, together with Funky Monkey MMA Radio. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cast Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, and Fightbook. MMA.com. If you want the freshest news and notes on MMA, then check out FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. MMA fans, are you looking for something to set you apart? Then check out AltercationClothing.com. Altercation Clothing is a brand with attitude, offering fans and fighters alike a variety of specialty shirts. If you won't back down, then you're ready for an altercation. Altercation Clothing can be found on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Altercation Clothing. Altercation Clothing is a proud sponsor of Funky Monkey MMA Radio. Are you looking for a new MMA website to check out? Then get over to MMAWreckage.com for the latest news, analysis, videos, in-depth blogs, fighter interviews, and more. From the local shows to the UFC, MMAWreckage.com has you covered. You can find MMA Wreckage on social media as well, on Twitter at MMA Wreckage, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash UFC fans page. So stay up to date with all things MMA at MMAWreckage.com. MMA Futures and Funky Monkey Radio partner together to bring you the latest fighter interviews and MMA news. Check out MMAFutures.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Susan Zingari here, and boy, do we have a big show for you today at Funky Monkey MMA Radio. The living legend Dan Severn joins us today, and for those of you who are new to MMA or might need a little refresher course, here's a little background on Dan. Dan Severn is a retired American mixed martial artist and professional wrestler. In the early days of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, Dan was part of the tournament style of fighting. The six-foot, two-inch, 250-pound heavyweight holds a fifth-degree black belt in judo and a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Dan has fought some of the biggest names in UFC history, including Horace Gracie, Ken Shamrock, Kate Abbott, Josh Barnett, and Forrest Griffin, to name a few. On May 17, 1996, Dan was crowned the UFC Super Fight Champion in his home state of Michigan. He defeated the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, to regain the title. Dan is the only triple-crowned UFC champion in the sport today. 
Stefan has won two eight-minute tournaments and the Ultimate Ultimate 1996, which pitted champions and runner-ups against each other to determine the true champion of the sport. A gifted wrestler, he was nicknamed the Beast, and he often used his Greco-Roman-style wrestling and combat sambo to gain an edge on his opponents. And speaking of wrestling, Dan was a two-time All-American at Arizona State University, the original Sunkiss Kid of the Sunkiss Kids, and a wrestling coach at both his alma mater, Arizona State, and Michigan State. Dan entered the Wrestling Alliance NWA in 1995 and defeated Chris Candido for his first NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Card. And here's an interesting fact, MMA fans. As I previously mentioned, Seven would go on to win the UFC Super Fight Heavyweight Championship that year, making him the first and only man to hold an MMA and a professional wrestling championship simultaneously. He also had the U.S. national record for victories by pin from 1976 to 1992. Dan has fought and wrestled for just about every promotion you can think of, including King of the Cage, Pride FC, Cage Rage, WEC, Rings, MFC, and the World Wrestling Federation. According to Tapology, Dan is ranked at an all-time of number 31 when it comes to the greatest MMA fighter of all time. He clocks in at 53 as the greatest MMA grappler of all time and takes the 113th position as the current best MMA heavyweight fighter. It is my great honor and pleasure to welcome Dan Severn to the show today. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Well, first off, Dan, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview with us. It is an absolute honor to be speaking with you. Uh, By now, it's well known that you have fully retired from the sport of MMA, with your last fight being in 2012. Uh, Since you've stopped fighting, what have you been doing with your time away from the sport? Well, I'm not darning any socks. I'm not rocking in any chairs. Red Red has known me for quite a number of years, and he he knows that uh, I continue to work on projects all the time. I'm I'm looking for world domination (laughs) in some some manner or, or another. Yeah, whenever I get a chance to talk to Dan, the first thing I ask is, where are you? Because it's almost like trying to find Waldo. Yeah, that's what I mean. Anymore, I, I, do, I do this post on my Facebook. I just simply say, the beast is on the loose. <laughs> and then it's like I'll, I'll state I'm, whatever state I'm in at the time and whatever I'm doing. Just to, yeah. I, I actually thought I, I could make up a shirt just called Beast Sightings and just be like a pair of goggles and you know, on a shirt, and and you know, have my mug showing up into the the goggles or something like that, just because I, I I'm perpetual motion. I just uh, you know, text messages are good, emails are good, phone calls are okay, but if you show up in person, boy, you, you get a whole lot more done when you show up in person. <laughs> yeah, especially when you are Dan Severn. Well, again, there's it's a lot of it has to do. I think a, a lot of it has to do with with you, your personality, your credentials. Uh, but how you conduct yourself, I think a lot of that, and I think all of the, all those characteristics kind of play off of each other. And like I said, it's uh, uh, I, I just met Manny for the first time just uh, just a couple weeks ago in uh, Syracuse was our, our our first meeting. But you know, come to find out, I didn't really realize that he knew a couple of my my uh, my brothers, one older brother Dave and my younger brother Rod. So it was kind of really kind of nice just to get a chance to, to meet him for the first time and realize that, well, there's actually been a bond all, all along. I just did not was not aware of it. But MMA is a very small world. 
Well, everybody knows the marauding Severin, so, I mean, well, your, your <laughs> reputation precedes you guys. <laughs> well, well, the funny part is when you talked about food and stuff like that, I got to say, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we terrorize more buffets and then and, uh, probably banned at more buffets. <laughs> but, uh, what, what can you say? I have to. Yeah, I'm curious to. I'm curious to what a Severin Thanksgiving would be like, though. I mean, do you guys have like uh, wrestling matches during the day, and then you go eat a bunch of food up, or and then go well, watch I, the Lions, I, or how does that work? I'll explain. I'll explain it a couple of ways. The first couple times that I would bring back wrestlers when I, I coached both Arizona State and Michigan State, and then and then during the summer months, I travel around bouncing from one wrestling camp to the next, just teaching. And I, I sometimes I have a couple wrestlers with me, and we, we end up at my parents' home, and then all of a sudden they see a platter of chickens, a platter of this, a platter of this, and they're like, going, wow, I'm like what's a special occasion?" I call it. I'm like, "It's called lunch. It's called <laughs> dinner. It's uh, you know, having having a total of, of seven other brothers and sisters." And I always tell people, "I'm the second oldest." Second smallest male, and I'm not exactly a petite dewdrop. I have uh, <laughs> I have three sisters, and two of my sisters stand at six foot of height and weigh right around 200 pounds. But they're not heavy women. They're I mean, we grew up on a farm, so uh, like the the one uh, sister, she's she's a physical therapist, and literally she helps the the male physical therapist take people from beds to chairs, chairs to beds because she's just so physically strong. It's just there's just certain genes that have been instilled and and also I think a lot of it is that work ethic. Because like when you know friends always wonder where I'm at, what am I doing? You know, it's uh when you woke up in the morning, you had to go take care of the animals before you were taken care of. And then at at night when you came back from um to school or if you came back after a late wrestling practice, football practice, track and field practice or you came back from meat or whatever, it didn't matter how late it was you still had to go out and take care of the animals. So twice a day, they got fed and watered. You know, as my father said, well, uh, son, do you like to eat? I'm like, well, yeah. I go, so do the animals. Do you like to drink? <laughs> so do the animals. So he, he, put, put, he, he had a way of putting it in context. And there's also the theory of threes. He will ask you, he will ask you, and then he comes down upon you. So a great deal of respect. Uh, he, he wasn't shooting any blank shots right there. <laughs> he, he, they, they, they weren't just mere threats. He, he followed through, which I'll, be, I'll spin off into a tangent, which I have a tendency of doing. That's probably what's wrong with the United States. Everyone, there's no accountability, anyone's actions anymore. And I, and I, and I, I boil it down to, obviously, you have not had your ass beat in a while, have you? <laughs> and, and, and most people have not, and that's probably what, what's wrong with the world. I, I've had it. Uh, I've had it happen to me growing up, and by God, I sure did deserve it too. So I can't ever fault my dad or or fault my mom for you know not hugging me enough or or saying they love me enough. It's kind of like then uh, everyone makes uh, makes their own little, little way in this world. So enough going on to tangents. Let's go back to let's go back to questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got a follow up for you. Follow up for Kane's question. So, so Kane's statement when he first came out was that you have officially retired. So my question for you now is, uh-oh, what do you think uh-oh, about? The, <laughs> you know where I'm going. So I, I smell, I smell, I smell what you're cooking here right now, Freddie. I smell what you're cooking. <laughs> question for you: What do you think about the announcement 
of the fight between Ken Shamrock and Hoyce Gracie. And, well, what's next? Well, uh, one of the first things, I mean, I'll let you know that I've already sent off uh, an, an email to Scott Coker to see if I could possibly be a, a special guest uh, play-by-play color commentator for that event. Also, uh, and, and how do I get the winner of this match? <laughs> I mean, I would, when I retired, I retired with a cloth. And my final four or five years, uh, and Fred, you know this all too well, I, mean, I, was trying, I was trying for one last major hurrah to kind of end a career on and and then I, I I don't take too much stock into other people. I said, I pursued it myself. I talked with Mark Coleman, Ken Shamrock, Hoyce Gracie. All three agreed to do matches, but it just seemed like always something was coming up. And so basically, finally, in my final year there, 2012, I just made an announcement uh, at the end of 2011. Uh, I sent out a mass email uh, to all the various promoter and promotions I had in my database, I simply said, if you plan on using my services, that better have to somewhere, of course, to 2012, because that, as of January 2013, this cat's going to retire. And uh, so it came and went. I retired. And, uh, you know, but now that this is happening, I hear this about this announcement. I'm thinking, hmm, how can I get in on this action here now? I'll take one or the other. I might even give you a Kmart Blue Light Special two for one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to go and just show up and drop the gauntlet after the match is over. You run up in the cage and you just drop the gauntlet and let them know. Let the well, games I mean, begin. You got to use it. You got to use some, some somewhat of suave, fair, proper etiquette there, though, man. It's, it's uh, you can't just walk up there like that. It's uh, it's like I said, I'm I'm trying to do. Uh, diplomatic way of, of uh, you know trying to reach out to Scott Coker here first, and then uh, well, actually, what my my next action if I don't hear back from him, I'll, I'll send him off another friendly prod here, uh, probably if not tonight, sometime early in the morning. If I don't hear from him in the next day, 24, 48 hours. Well, now I'm going to start using the media. I'll do up my I'll do up a little old uh, Facebook uh, little you know 30 second to one minute little video, and what do I have to do? I need I need Facebook friends to to if they have connections to Bellator to Scott Coker to start to harass them. Let them know that the beast has awakened and he has an appetite for one or two more feastings. Yeah, let's take a moment and talk about that real quick to our, our, our funky monkey fans out there. You guys are listening to this, you listen to the interview, we're talking to Dan the Beast Severin. And what he's saying is Let's get in Bellator's ear so that Dan gets a rematch with one of these two gentlemen. The winner, the loser, either one of them. Post on their, their page. Start he said he'll, take, he'll, take, he'll take both of them. He'll take both of them. I'll take one or the other, but, I mean, it, obviously I'd rather have the winner of the, of the match there first, but, I mean, it's uh, however that's going to work out. I, I, I don't care. I mean, even uh, even if I don't even go so far as, I'll I'll play Hoist's game. I'll, I'll go an unlimited time uh, match for a submission grappler match if he doesn't want to do MMA. But I'm not. Wow. Gonna, I mean, he can wear he can wear his gi if he wants to. But I, I'm I'm not I'm not playing jujitsu. I'm gonna be playing just catch as catch can. I'm gonna <laughs> play amateur wrestling. I'm gonna pr- play freestyle wrestling. Grappler. No no locks or holds will be banned. It just time. 
just go on for a limited time to where someone eventually will give in, go unconscious, or tap out. Don't want to be inhibited just unlimited amount of time and no locks, holds, forbidden, no type of gi. Again, he can wear his gi if you want to. I, I could care less. Well, well I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner. I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to just show up in my 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 trunks. You know, the uh, the the ab hasn't really done all that well over time. <laughs> well, I'm I'm definitely in your corner, man. I I, I love the idea of you uh, giving it one last shot, and uh, so, and I and and I can see you doing it because we had a guy in judo, this guy Jane Brewster Thompson, who was productive into his 50s as a judo guy he uh he made the olympic trials as a judo as judoka because he just he worked his whole career and even in his and even at sumo he was doing sumo at like 55 because he still had the abilities so you know you know 50 is the new 40 if you have the ability to do it you should be allowed to to apply your trade well yeah well again so, I, I look at this way though man that, that it's because I'd be doing another match with, say, a Ken Shamrock or Hoist Gracie, really, what is the age difference? I mean, there was probably I, I am the I am the senior statesman amongst them all. Obviously, you know, it's uh, I think Ken is I think fifty one, and think and, and Hoist is what in his uh, late forties. Yeah, I believe so. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll guesstimate somewhere in, in in that ballpark, and then there's a moi that is a, a ripe old fifty seven. I do. I I don't exactly look my age, nor do I act my age. No, exactly. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm all for it, dude. I, I think you'd be a, an excellent choice. Not not just to blow smoke up your ass, but just knowing your your reputation and just seeing how you how you operate. I, I think yeah. it's a, a hell of an idea. It is. It, it's it's marketable in in the sense that you know that uh, I, I've had history with both both athletes, and uh, you know, and and it was well with Ken. It actually makes it probably even the most obvious because. We we each we each have a leg up on each other, so there's the proverbial rubber match, the trifecta. So right, again, just talking about that. Well, let's let's uh, talk about some other stuff. We're, we're just talking about we're just talking about Ken and Hoy saying that's 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 old news. Let's talk about something new, new and fresh. <laughs> well, how do you how do you feel about Ronda getting knocked out? Um, I was I was surprised. I mean, I I've had a number of people ask me, and I go, I've said, I mean. Man, I don't know about you, but I just don't watch. I never did watch much content of of the UFC, period, or mixed martial arts. I mean, I do a lot of them. The only time I really watch this stuff is when I'm doing a period at an MMA show. And then it's usually just a byproduct because most of the time I'm sitting there guessing and talking to the fans that are coming up at, at the table and looking at some trinkets of the trades, hats, T-shirts, Eight by tens or belts, and, and and you know they might hear some war stories. So most times, that's what I'm done. Just wrap me up, talk about war stories and stuff like that. And every now and then, I'll watch a little bit of what's happening up in the cage. That's typically what I see. Even I didn't even know I did not even know that UFC existed in the first place. But then that's to go back in time. Pay-per-views were not predominant like they are today. When pay-per-views were first coming out they would only be in the, the major metropolitan areas of a state. So like I'm born and raised in Michigan, so they would be, you know, maybe in the Detroit metropolitan area. It might be in Lansing or it might be in Saginaw or Flint. I mean, I, I was living in little old Podunk, uh, Coldwater, uh, Michigan, so it, it did not have pay-per-views. It was literally a buddy of mine watched the first two, 
a, a video tape on an old VHS tape, and then they showed it to me. And, 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 you know, I'm seeing people getting soccer kicked in the face, teeth are flying out. I'm thinking, you know, these are not exactly skills I possess. But then when I said, look at this skinny little guy doing jiu-jitsu, of course, he was referring to Hoist Gracie. So, like I said, it, just, it was an interesting way of how I found out about it. But then the way that technology continues to advance, I mean, by the time that that uh, they ever even announced uh, you know, the winner between uh, you know that, that Ron, Ron Rossi uh, Holmes uh, match right there, you know, I'll bet that was tweeted and videos were shared. Who knows how many thousands of times over before that that announcement was actually done inside the cage there because of cell phones and the ability to connect to the world. I have a I have a question. It's not. It's uh, it just it just popped in my mind. Uh, do you remember Rodney Holman as a wrestler in high school in Michigan? Rodney Rodney, Rodney Holman. Holman. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was from Michigan. He was a football player, and he played with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a tight end, and he was on the team that went to the Super Bowl. But I what, found what out he, he was a. Where did, where did he wrestle for? Did you know what Michigan school he wrestled for? I don't remember what high school, but I heard he was like a two-time state champion. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. When you look at some of the amateur wrestlers that that, that went on to play, uh, you know, dual sports of, of wrestling and football in college, but then and then go on into NFL. I mean, there's uh, you know, there's been a number of them. I mean, I, in, in high school, I would throw a 150-pound wrestler on the line against a 300-pound Lineman, and I would feel sorry for that 300 pound lineman because I know what the abilities are of a 106 pound wrestler. He's not, he's not going to go upstairs with them, but he's going to take those knees right out, out from underneath them. Sure, sure. But well, well, it, 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 any it is all, good high school wrestling program, or most high school, really good high school uh, football programs, typically the head football coach has the, the one of the wrestling coaches as his assistant, and then when the wrestling season kicks in, it's just vice versa. The wrestling coach now has the football coach because they usually they play off of each other. So a lot of schools, uh, again, I'm talking about specifically high school football programs. Typically, they have a good wrestling program and vice versa. Yeah. He actually went to he went to Ypsilanti High School and graduated in '78. Ah, so Fred, you, you jumped on the old internet there, didn't you? <laughs> uh, again, what, what I say is. At, at, okay, now that's, I'm, I'm, okay, now I'm thinking that might be this off the cell phone. That's what I mean. We've got the, we've got, we have got the world at our fingertips. I even, I do a lot of motivational type speaking, uh, and one of the things that I would do is when I go into high school or something like this, and I will hold up a cell phone now and I'll say, "What is this?" And they're like, "It's a cell phone." I go, "What else is it?" And they, they look kind of, "What are all the other functions I can do?" And they can say, "You do this, you do this, do this," and I'll say, "You've got the world in the palm of your hand." If you don't like your career choice or something like this, you can make a difference. You can take a, a, a you can keep a job going, but then take an online class and better yourself and, and move on to something else. So, so it's like when I hear people bellyache, I'm thinking the only person you have to blame is look in the mirror. Opportunities are galore, and they sit there in the palm of your hand. And when I say about the palm of your hand, you go to a shopping mall and stop and do a 360, find the person that doesn't have a cell phone in the palm of their hand. That's how abundant they are. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when I used to have uh, meals at, at, the, at the seven table, 
uh, again, not 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 my my siblings, but you know now with my kids because that technology age is there. I, I literally one of the rules was no cell phones were allowed at the table. And even when they would hear them, you know, hang, hear the different noise of a ping, uh, a text came in or a, a, a phone message came in or something like this, you could almost see them get, get, the, get the shakes, the twitches and stuff like this. I'm like, no, let it go. Sit here and we're going to do the thing called converse with one another. Make eye contact. Converse. What happened in your day? Interact. I says, yeah, what's, what's, what's Bill going to take, you know, all 20, 30 minutes? And uh, the way that Mike is in hell food, it's shorter than that. But, uh, uh, you know, and then you go be on your merry way with, with your cell phone once again. But, I mean, I swear to God, some people, you'd almost have to take a putty knife to pry it from the palm of their hands because that is, it, it's literally an addiction. I, I watch people walking down the sidewalk, and they got the, they got both their hands up protection away. I call it prayer walking because actually if, if you were to have a Bible in their hand, it looked like they, they were actually in this possession reading the Bible. And then all of a sudden they don't know what to do and they're walking out. Uh, they're, they bump into things. They walk into people. They walk out into the intersection and people start blowing their horns. It's uh, it's crazy. It's uh, again, well, look at all the texting that people do just while they're driving and all the accidents that are related to us. I got rear-ended uh, two two years ago, and it was on a beautiful sunny day and stuff like this. And the lady was trying to say that her she had a a spasm in her, her leg. She had like a cramp. I'm thinking, yeah, no way. To me, it's like she was probably texting as she slammed into me. Wow. Well, you got to be careful out there. No, you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like I like motorcycles, for example. I would not own a motor. Well, I mean, I would not. I would not feel safe driving a motorcycle out on the open road. I mean, as 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 silly and stupid as people are with that texting. Yeah. I, I don't even feel safe in a car. Motorcycle, beautiful thing to own, but that you lay a motorcycle down, you know, so why a state wants you to wear a helmet? I don't know why. Just so that you maybe you can identify the body after it goes down. I mean, that's about the only reason for that. I mean, because it's, uh, you're, you're done. If you go down, you're done. So, Dan, they have this new movie coming out. Will Smith is in this movie, and it's called Concussion. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a preview for it or not, but it's talking about you know the the effects of NFL players after they've retired uh, and the, the long term you know their long term mental health due to uh, traumatic brain injuries. I imagine. Well, okay, I know you didn't get hit very much, but uh, no. It, it, what do you it, think about sucks. that? I, I, tell, I always tell people that getting hit sucks. Anyone that says they like the standard trade, I go. Well, you're a better person than me, or actually, I'll say you're an idiot because standard trading is not exactly a smart thing to do. One of the most classic matches, and, and I hate to say this because people will think I'm being uh, hard on Don Fry, but Don Fry, he, he's like a he's like a brother there to me. I coached coached him when when I, when I was uh, the head coach at, uh, when I was coach at, at Arizona State. He was one of my wrestlers. I'm the guy to help get him into it. But he has a classic match, Pride where he is versus up against Takiyama. And literally, they have each other's hand cradled in one hand, and they are just punching the crap out of each other. And it's almost like this contest of who is going to give in first. The first time I saw this match, I mean, when I finally saw Don, I go, so well, Don, uh, what exactly was going through your mind other than Takiyama's fist? You know, the thing that because... 
you 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 can tell he's paid a price for that match. And then in no means am I trying to throw down underneath the bus or like this. There's there's a number of guys that you can tell. I mean, I I knew them before they really got into the industry or they were young in the industry. And then after a few more years, the same person. Not all the wires are connected anymore. But you and know what it is? Tough. That's tough. Not to, not to cut you off, Don, but what happens is, and we're all guilty of it, is the, the machismo, once you're involved in something like that, you know, especially as a wrestler, you're, you're never, you're conditioned not to give up. So you're going to pursue it. And that's kind of like the curse of the sport. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to give it your full-out effort, and if it goes to hands, you're, you're going to switch to hands. You're just going to do whatever. And unfortunately, that's just the 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 the, 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 the after effect of it. Because, uh, you know, I look at Deion Sanders, you know, and people used to talk about Frank, Franco Harris used to run out of bounds as a football player. Now I look back, in retrospect, that was the smartest thing that he could have done because he still has his health and his faculties intact. In but we as, yeah. as macho guys, we just if it comes to contact, we want we, 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 we bring it we bring it and we bring it. That's, that was ingrained in us and unfortunately that's the after effect of having that kind of training and that mindset. Well, I, I, I have to totally agree with what you're saying on that there, man. It's, uh, you know, I have a, I run a program at Arizona State, a submission graphic program, but then Back in my training facility in Coldwater, Michigan, you know, one of the classes is MMA. And a lot of times I said, the door. I said we're not here. We're, we're a family. It's, the, it's our brotherhood. You know, every now and then we'll get very few females that, that we've ever had at industry. But we, we get a token one here or there. But, you know, now that the sports evolved that much more, I'm sure that uh, you have tons more females that, that have invaded uh, that industry. Just like where a men's boxing was there for a long time and, and then the females were just – getting their feet wet into that. It is, it's just a, a slow evolution, but the evolution takes place nevertheless. But uh, that's one thing I, I, I have to constantly always say as I monitor a practice, that uh, to when we're doing some like live sparring, it's got to be done in percentiles. There's no way that you can train at 100% and still have people left over because getting, getting hit, struck, going for submissions live, you know, it's. Uh, I think that's one of the testimonials of, of a good training camp, or a good uh, or a good coach is from getting hurt and bringing them along properly, sitting there and and just because you know, there, there's there are some camps that that there should be known for. If if we you know we we just beat on you beat on you and you keep coming back to them, you 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 prove to us that you have that kind of a spirit and I uh, I don't I don't I don't agree with that. I really don't. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I know what I've done in my own career and, and how I've tried to associate with people and uh, and, and conduct my own training camps, things of that nature. And I want to be around here. I want to be around for the long haul. That's yeah. We say it a, long, a lot of times that uh, a, when I was still still competing in mixed martial arts, I was doing a professional wrestling, I was doing all this kind of stuff. Guys were like, oh, well, how long do you think you'll keep this up? I go, well, I said, I plan on living to 125. I said, if I just quit now, I said I might get a little bit bored, so I want to keep keep, keep this other stuff going as long as I possibly can. I go, but but again, but then I, again, at, it, it, no one wants to know that their demise is coming. So I said, at 125, I want my life to be taken tragically and suddenly, 
by a jealous husband. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you, my my tombstone will become a uh, a monument to all these young men. They will come up there, they will want to rub the stone, and they're like, "Oh, I am not worthy. I am not worthy." I mean, it's, it's every man's got to have a dream. Every man's got to have a dream. That's my dream. Hey, man, if you got to go, that's the best way to go. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, be a much, she'll be a much younger woman. She'll be in her 90s. It's those orthodontic stockings. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> uh, so you're still doing training camps there. I mean, it's good that you train the people not to hurt each other, but like I said, I think it's still in the, the fighter itself, though. I think that somehow we have to... It, like you're you're trying to get people to 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 avert away from that, and I guess the younger you start, maybe that can maybe start trending differently. But as, but as long as we have that machismo in us, man, it's it's, it's always going to be a problem somewhere. I, well, I, I it believe. may be, but but, but having that in the federal, like let's say this, I'm, I'm kind of like the father figure in my class type settings there. So it's like I try to show them by example, too. I lead by example. I don't just just say words. These guys, they know that I'm literally I'm, I'm the scariest cat, but I'm the, I'm the, the safest guy that they will ever roll with and stuff like that. Well, we might be doing something like you, you'll have an MMA gloves, and as you roll around with MMA gloves, you're going for submission grappling. So you're going 100% grappling, but the moment that you secure a position, you secure a lock, you know that you have it, you slowly start applying pressure. You don't just be just lock it on, and then just refine to it and then and tear someone's shoulder, tear someone's elbow, crank someone's knee or something like this. You just, it, it shows, to me, it shows you under control. You have to have control. The moment that you lose control in a match, that's typically when you are going to lose in the first place. You have to stay, you got to keep your, your wits about you. And, I mean, that's just yeah. some of the things that, that some, some athletes will do. They simply know that, if I just start to verbally start to taunt you, all of a sudden all you see is red. I want to kill, kill, kill. And so now you're no longer thinking rationally. And you know, I, I always, I've always looked upon it: be the methodical thinker. Know that what you're doing, do the, do the least amount of work, maximum effort. To the, because the thing you have to look at, and then you very well notice because in the beginning it was unlimited amount of time. You don't know how long a match is going to go, so it can go on forever. So you, have, you, have, you know you have to pace yourself. Well, you know, now it, it's set up for rounds. Standard is, is three rounds, and for championship bouts, five rounds, five minutes uh, at, 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 at the point. So now, you know, people are just training for those elements. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into training. At one point in time, I, I was at one of the UFC shows, and... One one of the things that kind of came up uh, was, was with, with, with Lorenzo Fertitta and with uh, Dana White. And the, the question that was brought to me, like, Dan, they seem to be, there, there seems to be a, a lot of injuries taking place in these training camps. And, and what is happening? And I go, well, to me, that, that's a reflection upon the coach overseeing and, and monitoring stuff like this. I mean, I, I take a great deal of pride in my training facility in Coldwater, Michigan. I mean, I've had that place open since... Uh, Ninety, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I bought place in '92. I think it was by by. I had people in the, by '94, and I think I opened up out of the true business by 1995. But but the reality was, uh, out of all those years, I, I've only ever had one 
major injury, a spiral fracture. And that was a couple guys that were screwing around before class ever began. But during class times, no. Every now and then, sure, you get a bloody nose, you get a split lip or something like this because someone, you know, missed gauge depth or they uh, went a little bit more than that, that 25 uh, to, to 50%. I think there, there'd be no time that we'd ever say we're going to go, you know, balls and wall 100% on things. I mean, submission grappling, yeah, you can go for it until you know, okay, I've got this, I've got, this, I've got to hold on. Now I want to slowly apply pressure and and allow the guy to tap out so that the guy realizes who is caught in this. Oh gosh, he's got me. I did not realize he's got me this this neck crank. He's got me this leg lock. So it's uh, the greatest compliment I was ever given. I had a gentleman. He was. At the time, I was probably 40, I don't know, 47, 48, something like this, and he was probably in his uh, early to mid-50s. And first calls me up, he says, uh, do you do private lessons? And I go, well, I do, but I'm not a big fan of them because to me, a lot of my stuff is rapid-based. I did a minimum of three people because you need to see me do it at someone else. I want to feel you doing it to me. And, and, and so you need that third, you need a third person. So he said, well, I'd like to sign up for a private baby too. So he was kind of reluctant. So literally he comes in, fast forward, 10 days later, he takes a private lesson every day and then jumps into my, my regular class. And each day he opens up to me a little bit more and a little bit more. Turns out he was an owner of a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. And at this point in time, had they known, had yeah, had they known that he was training with me, they would have taken his uh, association, uh, uh, affiliation, all, all that away from. Him. And I go, I go, and I go. I said, who am I going to uh, talk to? I go, I said, you, you, I said, you, you, you've been a square, uh, squared away type individual. I said, uh, I've enjoyed having you here. I said, and uh, he's like, well, what do I tell him when I go back to? Him? And I start using all these unique techniques and stuff like this. I go, just. Tell me we're on vacation. And I go, I said, but only do only do one move here and one move there. I go slowly, slowly put it on in there, right there. Because he, he basically he because he was the oldest guy in their in their in the dojo. Uh and, and he, he basically said he was just cannon fodder for all the young guys. I said, do your thing and then after about thirty days, a month, contact me and let me know how it goes. Basically, about a month and a half goes by. I get a phone call out of the blue. He is chuckling up a storm. He goes, he says, I did exactly what you said. He said, I have tapped everybody out in my gym, and they, they want to know where I went on vacation now. You should tell them I stayed at Holiday Inn. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the whole thing about that. I mean, it's a, I mean, Fred's been in my place a number of times. I've been down to... He set up all types of similar down in and around Fort Wayne area stuff like this, and he sees the way I operate. I mean, it's uh, I have a very abstract mind. The body only twists so many different ways, and they're just I have some very unique, uh, very unique type of techniques that I do. That I mean, it, 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 that they'll work on anybody, and they'll they'll just inflict, even even if it's just because if you deal with guys that that wear a lot of geese all the time, they they'll simply say, "Oh, I can't do nothing." He's He's just, he's all crammed up. He's just, he's in this ball. I go, well, induce pain. I said, you induce a little bit of pain. Everyone will move to alleviate pain. And I go, that's, that's, that's the beauty about it right there. Like, one of the shirts uh, I wanted to come up with, a t-shirt where it was like, pain, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> 
true. I mean, you know, man, you know, think about it. Being, being an amateur wrestler or stuff like this. When I, 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 when I teach amateur wrestling, eighth grade below, I teach one way. Ninth grade and above differently. Eighth grade below, it's all about, it's all about, it's all about fun, sportsmanlike conduct. It's all about principles of leverage. Once you're yes. in ninth grade, now there's a chance to go to states, place at states, win a state title. And now say, hey, Manny, what do those principles of leverage feel like? And you're like, well, coach, uh, I mean, they, they kind of hurt. Bingo. It's called legalized pain. The more legalized pain that you put your opponent into, the more he's willing to do for you. you know, he's not going to roll on his back and get pinned just because I go, coochie, coochie, coo. No, he's going to do it because I'm going to throw him down. I'm going to hit him with a cross face. I'm going to take this this uh, this uh, chicken wing. I'm going to use this bar arm. I'm going to throw a three-quarter full, uh, uh, three-quarter Nelson out of my drive. This, and, and, I mean, and I'm going to impose my will upon them. And that's what it boils down to wrestling. Wrestling is actually a... a uh, uh, I'd rather watch that on a high school level than on a collegiate level. Collegiate level, it just bores me to tears because there's so much stuff that takes place. But uh, um, there is no sport that simulates wrestling. It's just a physical chess match. That's how I always yeah. look at it. As, and, and you got you got to use your mind. Your mind better be as, just as powerful as what your body is. And typically, you know, I, I, in my opinion, the mind is more important. There's a lot of coaches that they train the body, but they forget about the greatest attribute, and that is that athlete's mind. Even when I sign a lot of younger athletes that are sparring to go on, you know, they say, can you write me something of inspiration? I go, sure. And I'm like, you know, to, to, to Fred, remember to train your mind as well as your body, because most athletes, they train the body. They forget about the mind. Well, that's all for part one of our interview with Dan Severn. But Funky Monkey MMA radio fans, you don't want to miss part two of our fascinating interview with Dan. Because in part two, you'll find out why Dan is calling out Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie and why he really wants to come out of retirement just to fight them. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cast Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, and FightBookMMA.com. If you want the freshest news and notes on MMA, then check out FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.